welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season four, episode 22, Restless. Took us a long time to get here, but we're it here. It did. We are, we are both back from vacation. Um, we are ready to go. We're ready to talk about all of this. Um, interesting things happened when we were on vacation. I was in California the day SAG decided to go. SAG after I decided to go on strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just talking a little bit about the strike in regards to the podcast. Um, as you guys know, we have friends who work in the entertainment industry. And so we did talk to them and talked about like how stuff like this should be handled in the face of the strike. Um, and remember that right now, all actors are getting paid are the residuals. So any yep. promotion of old media that is not done under contract for a studio is a good thing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that because I since I knew that Mary was spending time with our California connection. <laughs> I, you know, was ta- I was talking to her and sent, you know, just trying to figure out where we're at because there's so many mixed messages coming out. You see so many people saying that you don't want to promote something that would be on strike today if it was produced today. But there was a really great and there was a really great, uh, I think, Instagram story from Sarah Michelle Geller that basically said that we need to not boycott. Don't cancel your streaming. As much as it seems like you should cancel your streaming service in solidarity, don't. Because that's, we need to prove to the studios that people are watching on streaming. Because that's what this is a big fight about. Not just the AI, but residuals from streaming services. I mean, you had uh, Sean Gunn talking about him being in Gilmore Girls. And he's in every episode. He's doing so many different things in that show. Gilmore Girls, for the longest time, was the highest rated streaming on Netflix. So why aren't these actors getting paid for that? And I think one of the, I cannot remember her name and I feel bad about it. One of the actresses from Orange is the New Black. Oh, yes. The one who she came in later Mm -hmm. seasons. Yeah. Was showing her residual checks and it's ridiculous. The minimal amount they're getting. Like it was four pages long and it came out to like 20 bucks. People are like, you can't even get a Netflix subscription. Yeah. I loved, I loved that one too, because so many times like you just see people with the individual checks that they're receiving. Yeah. But I loved her because like you said, it's four pages long, breaks down every single episode that she's in. She's getting like 18 cents an episode. It's, it's ridiculous. And like, this is, it's a very, it's really a wild time right now because a lot of people who aren't in the business, who aren't adjacent to the business, who haven't studied it, they don't understand. No. Like, residuals are like you're supposed to get paid it's royalties you're supposed to get paid for when when they go into syndication there's syndication deals you know like there is and people are assuming that everybody who's on strike is a multimillionaire because they're seeing matt damon out there they're seeing all the big names supporting the strike at like not every like not everybody and and then they're then they're saying oh well get a better job Jobs are not lying around on the ground for the normal people. And also every industry goes on strike. We've had, you know, TSA workers go on strike. Mm-hmm. We've had baggage handlers go on strike. There's, We've had retail workers nurses right go now. on strike. Teamsters, teamsters for the UPS are going on strike. You know, so 
another job isn't going to be a better job. No, no. And and also, you know, and, uh, you know, our our audience, whatever they are, you know, is it's we're probably preaching to the choir. But if you think you should be making more money, demand to make more money. Ask for a raise. We've gone through society where you're taught to just take the money that you're given and not complain. Talk about your talk about your paycheck with your coworkers. There's no law against it. Like they don't want you talking about it because they don't want people to demand what they're worth. And so instead of coming at the people on strike who are trying to make a living for themselves and their families, don't be mad at the middle class people. Be mad at the people with the money. Yeah. Like stop simping for millionaires and stop licking the boots of the studio execs. Especially when we have just seen the studio execs like display levels of evil. Oh, my God. Barbara cartoons. Like the trimming of trees. That were lining that now they're in trouble with the city oh, yeah. of Los Angeles for. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never thought I would be invested in tree law. And there's also there's also bird law because you know you just ruined the trees that birds need. And also yeah. the execs saying, "Oh, we're just going to starve them out." Yeah, but we're gonna. We hope these people lose their apartments. Like it's disgusting. Not mansions, apartments, apartments, apartments. Like it's. This is what we're dealing with. This is out of touch people who they make their money off the labor of the writers, the actors, all the cast, all the crew, everybody who goes every. That's why watching the credits is so important, because you see every single person. They get a credit for that. You know, Mary and I love Disney, but fucking Bob, Bob Iger. Oh, my God. And David Zaslov and all of them who are studio heads. David Zaslov has like no idea what he's doing. Every he turn so, of the WBDC is just another dumpster fire. Everything like, yeah, ever since ever since Zaslov took over and has come into to the HBO sphere has been an absolute like it's so it like every like we are we are in the dumbest timeline for studio executives right now. And I mean, studio executives have always been comically out of touch. But yeah, we are in a we are in a, a zone where something needs to happen and they need they need to realize that you would not be where you're at if it wasn't for the people. I hate yeah. them. I hate them all. And you know what? I've got a backlog of movies and TV shows I need to watch. Right. Well, I love that. <laughs> like, so yeah, the stations have nothing to put on this fall. So CBS will be airing the UK ghosts alongside mm. reruns of the American ghosts because they have no new episodes. Yep. <sighs> All right. Let's let's we get could, into this episode. We could we could do a whole we could do a whole bonus episode about that's just us yelling <laughs> about the right? entertainment like industry. Could, we could yell at the entertainment industry all day. So let's let's get into this episode. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Restless. It aired May 23rd, 2000. Uh, Buffy and the gang find themselves being stalked by a primal animal force known as the primitive, yet yeah, that's not right at all, no. that attacks each of them in their nightmares and forces them to face disturbing aspects of themselves. 
So, all right, Froggy, what are our foreign titles? So this week we have an Armenian unrest, French nightmare, German to each his nightmare, Hungarian insomnia, Italian restless sleep, Japanese without calming, Polish without peace, Portuguese unrest, and then Russian and Spanish are both unrest. So they're all kind of like on par, but I do like the ones that are like such a literal translation, like without peace. I I have to say, I really enjoy the synopsis that the Buffy wiki put for this episode for like just their little short thing. Which one is that? The cheese stands alone in a season finale written and directed by Joss Whedon. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, that would have been a much better one than like the. Because it's not. That's not what it. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I mean, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the cheese. We're gonna talk about so much shit. This is. I like, think we should. I think the title of the episode should be "The Cheese Stands Alone." It can be "The Cheese Stands." You alone. You know what? I love the. I love some of those foreign titles, but we should acknowledge the cheese man. Yeah. This is. Yeah. We got. We got a ton of stuff to talk about in this episode. <laughs> And I'm going to warn y'all now, when we get to the first episode of season five, whoo, we're going to go on a gothic literature deep dive. Oh, yeah. But first, we're going to we're going to do some uh, analysis here. Uh, after the credits, we're in the Summer's home where Buffy is saying goodbye to Riley and asking if he's sure he'll be OK as he is headed off to a debriefing. Riley assures her it's fine that Graham and a few of the other guys will be there, testifying to the fact that Riley is the only reason they made it out alive. It looks like he might just get out of this with an honorable discharge in exchange for his silence, of course. Willow is very excited by that prospect <laughs> and says it's like they're blackmailing the government, but in a patriotic way. Xander arrives just then, coming out of the kitchen with a big bowl of popcorn and followed by Joyce. The two of them join Willow and Giles, who have obviously been observing this whole goodbye. Xander says he brought dinner and it's his own recipe. So he pushed the button that said popcorn? Actually, he pushed a frost, but Joyce was there to help him out. (laughs) After that, Riley tells Joyce that it was so nice to meet her. (sighs) Excuse me, what? Buffy has been dating this boy for like three-fourths of the season. Mm -hmm. And he is just now meeting her mother. They could have easily made that a nice to see you again. Yeah, But no, no. Nice to finally meet you. Even after Faith stole her life and took her mom semi-hostage and Buffy promised to be around more, she clearly wasn't. Yeah, I think it definitely is just a plot hole. But then again, I like I like I I think I I mentioned this the last time we because we started ranting about Joyce not meeting Riley. I can't I can't tell you when I introduced Kevin to my mom when we were in college. Like I met his family because I went to his I went to his family's house for Easter of that year. And then yeah, I don't know when my mom met him. I'm gonna have to think about that. I'm gonna have to talk to my mom. We'll see if you were as negligent as Buffy. <laughs> but and and you know what? I'm I was only 45 minutes away from home too. So like I was, you know, out as far away as Buffy was. Buffy is like a five minute walk from her mother's house. I know. It's- you have more of an excuse. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> the gang heads into the living room, Xander declaring the vid fest begun. 
Giles asks Joyce if she's sure she won't join them. And she says no. They should have their fun. She's off to bed. She honestly doesn't understand how they're still awake. Have they even slept since? Giles says they're all a little too wired. And Willow agrees. That spell was powerful stuff. Buffy doesn't think she could sleep if she tried. Well, then it's a good thing Xander got a whole stack of vids. And yes, once again, they are VHS tapes. Yeah. As this is the year 2000. Mm -hmm. VHS tips from the neighborhood video rental, which for the longest time for us was Blockbusters, but by Jackie's house, it was a purple potamus. Wow, that's very cool. We had we had West Coast video, which is funny considering we're on the East Coast. <laughs> I mean, we had Hollywood video out here, but I yeah, guess like, yeah. Hollywood's a generic like blockbuster. And then we also got rentals from the far more drugstore at the mall near our house. The drugstore had video rentals? Yes. And they also had video game rentals too. They didn't have a lot. There wasn't there wasn't a lot, but <sighs> I grew up in a I grew up in the middle of freaking. No, I was gonna Mary. say that is that is like a very small town thing. Like you go yeah. to the drugstore to get your stuff and your movie rentals. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was yeah. <laughs> Xander's first pick is Apocalypse Now, but Willow would like something a little less Heart of Darknessy. Apocalypse Now was, of course, loosely based on the novella Heart of Darkness. But while Heart of Darkness is about the Congo and was written as a statement about imperialism and racism, Apocalypse Now is set during the Vietnam War and is more about American interventionism. Yes. But this. The spirit's pretty much the same. Um, I cannot in good conscience recommend either. <laughs> I hated the book. I'm not a fan of the movie. But Apocalypse Now is considered one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, personally, I find the story of behind the scenes to be better drama. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's the fact Lucas was originally supposed to direct. Mm -hmm. But he was unavailable um, due to either Star Wars or Indy because it was 1979. So he was right in his like making two giant franchises at the same time era. Uh, so Coppola took over. The shoot took seven months longer than they originally anticipated. Sets were constantly destroyed by weather. Brando, because yes, both Marlon Brando and Martin Sheen are in this movie, would show up to set unprepared, and Sheen had a near-fatal near heart attack. It was wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just had to confirm that my memory was correct in uh -huh. the fact, yes, I did, I did rent movies and video games from <laughs> the Farmore drugstore. I like how you were like, let me check real quick. I needed, to, I needed to make sure I, I needed to make sure. And yes, I was correct. I found because I just did. I just did a Google search and found it, found some Reddit threads about it. So, yeah, like I have clear memories of renting one of the Final Fantasy Game Boy games. Oh, wow. From. Yeah. Anyway, in other Frog is old. <laughs> <laughs> Dayon, we're really decrepit. <laughs> anyway, Xander assures the girls that he also has a selection of chick and British guy flicks and places one in. No sooner do we see that famous FBI warning than the whole gang is asleep, completely passed out. I do like that moment where it, <laughs> it's kind of like when you're at a sleepover and you're all vowing to stay up. And then, and then everybody's out. just out. And so we enter Willow's mind. 
her dreams. They begin with her sitting with Tara, painting something on her back while Tara expresses her concern over not having given Miss Kitty Fantastico a real name. Doesn't it worry Willow that she hasn't told them? Willow says she never worries there, that she's safe with Tara. Tara says there's stuff about her Willow doesn't know. Does she know her real name? Of course, but they're going to find out about her, about Willow. Willow can't think about that. She still has homework to finish. Is she going to finish in time for class? She can be late, but she's never taken drama before. She might miss something important. At this point, we see whatever Willow is writing on Tara's back. It appears to be in Greek, and it is Greek. It's a it's mm-hmm. a sapphic, sapphic love poem, I believe. Mm-hmm. Willow says she doesn't want to leave, and Tara asks her why not. Willow moves to the window and pulls back the curtains, revealing a desert. She says it's so bright, and there's something out there. And we do see a blurred form, who we know to be the first slayer, stalking through the brush, which is then paralleled with Miss Kitty as she slow motion stalks towards the camera. It was funny, at this at this point, Owen was playing some sort of video game in the edition, and it had a cat meowing. It just lined up perfectly. It just, it was, and and it, because of like how surreal the dreams are, you know, it, it just sounded like Miss Kitty was meowing, but you know, you couldn't see her meowing because of the dream. And then it just kept going. And then I'm starting to think that there was a cat outside. And no, it was just, but yeah, like the, the meowing of this game just lined up with the surrealness. We will see this desert again when Giles takes Buffy to commune with the first. And also in Firefly. Yes. the scene changes and we're in a hallway which looks like it's a combination of the college hallways and the sunnydale high hallway because willow heads to her locker which we never saw anybody use a locker in the college year yeah yeah um but she runs into oz and xander they say she's taking drama and willow gives them a distracted "Uh uh-huh hard class oz has taken it oh he's been there forever Xander asks if she's going to do a spell. He says Willow does spells, sometimes with Tara. Oz has heard that. Willow struggles with her locker, unable to get it open as the bell rings. She's going to be late. She heads off and Xander tells Oz that sometimes he thinks about two women doing a spell. And then he does a spell by himself. Like we needed any more confirmation that magic equals sex. (sighs) Heading backstage, Willow passes several people, all in different costumes. Some look like Spanish matadors. Some are in flowy (laughs) Renaissance gowns. Harmony comes up to her dressed like a Swiss Miss girl and hugs her, saying she can't wait for their scene together. It's their first production, and she's just so excited. But don't step on her cues. Production? (laughs) Willow is very confused. And growing more so as Buffy rushes at her dress like a flapper. The theater is packed. Her whole family is there. They're in the front row and they look really angry. Willow doesn't understand. Isn't this the first class? Riley joins and says Willow should have gotten there earlier. Then maybe she would have gotten a better part. He's cowboy guy. I do like Dream Riley. Dream Riley is very adorable. Dream Riley is so much fun. (laughs) Buffy tells Willow it's fine. Her costume is perfect. No one is ever going to know the truth. Costume? Oh, she's already in character. Buffy should have done that. Willow really wants to know what's going on because she thought drama class would actually, you know, have a class. And this isn't Madame Butterfly, right? (laughs) She has a thing with opera. As you all will remember, Madame Butterfly was the production Willow was forced into in Nightmares. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I like the callback to the earlier, the earlier season. 
Before anything else can be said, Giles shows up, apparently the director of this piece. He reminds everyone that the curtain is about to go up and that everyone Willow's ever met, (laughs) including them, will be in the audience. So everything must be perfect. As he speaks, Willow notices something, aka the first slayer, skulking around the sets. I'm I'm giggling because I love Harmony. Oh my god, this part with Harmony coming up is the best part ever. Willow wants to know if anyone else saw that, but apparently they didn't. Giles is still talking, telling the cast that their goal is to hide. The audience wants to find them, strip them naked, and eat them. Stop that. He turns to <laughs> Harmony, who is now in vamp face, and trying to eat him. So remember, hide. He then talks of sets and the things that you hold. Props? Harmony supplies attempting to nibble on his arm? No. Props? Riley immediately offers the same idea. Yes. <laughs> He then tells Harmony that her attempts to bite him are very annoying. I, I just love the the entire time. Like she is just. Right. It's like it's, it's like actual angry puppy. Yes. Yes. And Giles yes. just like deadpan is like, no, stop that. No, stop that. Yeah. Addressing the cast once more, he tells them to go out there, lie like dogs and have a good time as it's all about subterfuge. And if they can stay focused, keep their heads, and if Willow can stop stepping on everyone's cues, it'll be the best production of Death of a Salesman they've ever done. Stop that, as Harmony (laughs) is still trying to bite Giles. The cast disperses and Willow turns to see the cheese man! The cheese man! He's made a little space for the cheese slices. (laughs) I love that for, like, years people have been like, what is the point of the cheese man? And then finally the creator was like, um, you know that part in your dream that makes like no sense whatsoever? Yeah. That's the cheese man. That's the cheese man. man, yeah. Like he he literally is just meant to be the cheese man and he's random. Yeah, yeah. And just like now it's, look, and, and that's something that we do. Look, I've made space for the cheese squares. She moves to the curtains, walking through them, among them, until she stumbles into Tara, who tells her things aren't going very well, are they? No! Willow doesn't think this drama class is doing things in the proper order. The play's about to start, and she doesn't even know her lines. She thinks there may be something following her. Is there? And why is there a cowboy in Death of a Salesman? (laughs) Yes. Also, the play's already started. That's not the issue. We see the play then, Riley in his cowboy gear, talking to Harmony, asking if he can help with her milk pails. Oh no, they're not heavy. But why has he come to their small town? He's looking for a man. A salesman. (laughs) I I like how, like, yes, they're supposed to be doing Death of a Salesman, but I love how everybody is just in a different genre. Yes. It's such, like, this whole, and yeah, like, this whole episode is just how surreal dreams can be back in the curtains willow and tara continue to talk willow doesn't understand what's after her is it something she forgot to do tara shushes her and we hear whispering tara says sooner or later everyone's going to see the real willow and when she's exposed she'll be punished then we're back to the stage buffy yelling at riley about how men are horrid and this is interesting because as you all know we talk about riley as being kind of this embodiment of systemic and institutionalized misogyny. Like, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's caring for Buffy, but he's doing it wrong. And as time goes on, he's going to come to resent her and her power. So to show her going off on him for that kind of attitude is this Mm -hmm. very interesting little tidbit. And it's also interesting that it's happening in Willow's dream. Yeah. You know, like, because so much of of our dreams are 
you know, our subconscious telling us things. And because they were all magically bound together for, for a time, so much of them are had bled into each other because they were completely connected. So you have Buffy, here's these subconscious feelings that she might be having. It's reflecting into Willow. Yeah. Back in the curtains, Terry is gone. Willow calls for her, but there's nothing except a dagger. And then an arm. Sounds of like a jaguar. (laughs) Willow tries to get away. Thankfully, Buffy's there and pulls her through. Tells her to stay low as they move through a classroom. What were they like? She doesn't know. She has no idea what's after her. Well, she must have done something. No, she doesn't do anything. She's very seldom naughty. She just came to class and the play was starting. The play is long over. Why is she still in costume? Again, not a costume, just her outfit. Buffy sighs. (laughs) Everyone already knows. Take it off. No, she needs it. Oh, for God's sakes. Buffy pulls the clothes while turning her around. Take it off. There's a tearing noise and Buffy comes away holding something. There, much better, much more realistic. She goes to take her seat and we see that the classroom is no longer empty. It's full of people. Buffy, Harmony, Anya, Xander, Tara, Oz, they're all there. And Willow is now dressed exactly as she was in the pilot. Long hair and all. There, Harmony looks at her. Doesn't everyone see now? Anya says it's a tragedy. So much so they should all be Greeks. And (laughs) Oz tells Tara he tried to warn her. At the front of the class, Willow starts reading her book report on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. But Xander interrupts with a who cares? (laughs) She tries to continue, but is attacked by the first slayer. As she is on the ground struggling, not a single person goes to help. Buffy and Xander just watch while Tara and Oz exchange secrets. The first slayer bites Willow, draining her a bit. And back in the real world, we see Willow convulse in her sleep. Whew, okay. Um, Willow's dream. There's a lot. Yeah, so Willow's dream um, at its core is clearly about truth and lies. What are the lies we tell ourselves and what are the lies we tell others? For Willow, a lot of that revolves around her identity, sexually and just in general. Mm -hmm. She's working on discovering the real her, as one does during the college years. And it's clear a huge part of her is afraid she hasn't changed from who she was pre-Buffy. That deep down inside, she's still that timid person afraid to stand up for herself afraid to be seen and this ties into the theater and drama motif one because theater is sort of a lie the actors Mm -hmm. on stage pretending to be someone other than who they really are two because death of a salesman also deals with the ideas of truth and illusion what is true can memories be trusted which given next season is really interesting to note yeah because next season we're going to see that no memories can't be trusted now and Death of a Salesman is due to senility, sen- senility and not monks, but still. Mm-hmm. And three, because stage fright is at its core a fear of being noticed, of having eyes on you, watching you, seeing you. Also, I love that Tara hints that we don't know the real her because we're going to learn yep. more about her and some of her actions next season. Yep, yeah, this this last, and, and even, even a little earlier too, um, like this episode, this episode refers back to an earlier episode with Faith Again, like, because they're preparing for little sister. So again, so much is being set up for what's going to be coming. Yeah, and we're going to also see a lot of that later on this episode. Yep. Beside Willow, we see Xander wait. Or at least it appears he's awake. We all know we're now in his dream. He asks if he missed anything, and Buffy says some massacring. 
as Apocalypse Now is currently the movie playing. Giles thinks it's overrated, but Xander says it gets better. He distinctly remembers it getting better. Buffy offers him some corn, new car smell, and Xander asks what's up with Willow. Nothing, just a big old faker. Giles thinks he gets it now. It's about the journey. Apparently the corn makes Xander have to pee. And so he heads upstairs. Again, nothing makes sense. Nope. Because again, like Buffy asks if he needs help, but he has a system. Like what help were you? Okay. Nothing makes sense in dreams. As he heads to the bathroom, Joyce comes out of her room dressed in a long red lingerie style dress. She greets Xander with a hey. And he asks if they're making too much noise. Oh no. Besides, they all left a while ago. Oh, well then he should probably go catch up. She's heard that before. He moves pretty fast. You know a man's always after conquests? He's a conquistador. Is he sure it isn't comfort? He's a comfortador also. (laughs) Joyce says she does know the difference. She's learned about boys. That's very cool of her. Joyce then tells him it's very late and motioning to her bed asks if he would like to rest a while. Yeah, he'd like that. He's just going to go to the bathroom first. (laughs) Don't get lost. In the bathroom, Xander goes to pee, but finds that he's being observed by initiative soldiers and scientists. Right. (laughs) He's going to go find another bathroom. (laughs) He leaves that one. I love dreams. Crosses the hall, opening a door that should be Buffy's room, but instead leads into the basement of sadness. Oh. He's alone in the basement, but he can hear someone or something trying the door that leads down from upstairs. Calling out, he says he didn't order any vampires. Watching the handle turn, Xander says that is not the way out, which takes us to outside and a playground. Buffy's playing in a sandbox while Giles is dressed as he was in his librarian (laughs) days, along with Spike, also dressed in a tweed suit. They're on the the swings. swings. (laughs) Also, it's day. Important to notice Spike's there, but this is a dream, so normal rules do not apply. Seeing them, he says, there they are, and Buffy asks him if it was them he was looking for. Spike says Giles is going to teach him to be a watcher, that he has the stuff. And Giles says Spike is like a son to him. That's nice. (laughs) Xander was into that for a while, but now he has other stuff. As he speaks, he looks towards an ice cream truck in the distance, where his own mirror image is serving ice cream. One has to move forward, like a shark. Buffy says, yeah, a shark with feet and much less fins. And on land, Spike chimes in, earning him (laughs) some praise from Giles. Xander then asks Buffy if she's sure she wants to play there. It's a pretty big sandbox. And when we next turn to Buffy, the sandbox has turned into the desert. She's okay. It's not coming for her yet. He just, he means she can't protect herself from everything. She's way ahead of him and calls him Big Brother. Xander reflects on that as Spike and Giles continue swinging. Giles telling Spike to put his back in it. A watcher scoffs at gravity. (laughs) The two of them are so cute in this scene. Yes. And I love that, like, that whole part of the scene um, basically is going to lead us into Bula Rasa. Mm -hmm. um, Because Spike wears that exact suit and does believe himself to be Giles' son. And that episode also features a literal lawn shark. A shark on land. Yes. Buffy and Xander stared at one another as we switched to the Xander in the ice cream truck, along with Anya. She's been thinking about getting back into vengeance. Is that so? Well, he knows how she misses it. She's been at loose ends since she quit. She thinks it's going to be a big year for vengeance. But isn't vengeance kind of vengeful? 
He doesn't want her to have a hobby? Not a vengeance hobby, no. It's dangerous. <laughs> People can't do anything they want. Society has rules and borders and an end zone. It. He hears a noise and turns back to see Willow and Tara, hands all over each other, looking very vixen-y. They, yes, yes. Do they mind? He's talking to his demon. They just think he's very interesting. He's going places. Willow's way ahead of him. Is that so? <laughs> With a smirk, Willow tells him to watch this and leans in to kiss Tara. We don't see the kiss, though. We see Xander and his reaction as this is his dream. Just staring at them. They then ask him if he wants to come back with them. Double meaning, a thousand percent implied. He hesitates, but Anya tells him to go. She's pretty sure she's figured out how to steer by gesturing emphatically. <laughs> her gesturing is so cute. She's so it's, serious about it. She's, I like, I love her. I love her. Xander heads towards the back, passing the candy and then crawling up and over a fridge until he's back in the basement <laughs> and wondering where the girls went. Again, the doorknob on the upstairs door turns, someone trying to get in. He starts towards it, but as they get more aggressive in their attempts, he thinks better of it. Turning, he finds himself face to face with the cheese man. The cheese man. Who tells him that the cheese will not protect him. The door breaks and Xander runs, finding himself in Sunnydale High. It's all very oddly lit. It has like a greenish shade. Yeah, yeah. But like they're they're green, but you can see like the background is normal colors. So it's definitely meant to have the surreal. Yeah. As Anna moves through the student body, so does the first slayer stalking him. He finds Giles who asks what he's doing there. Something's after him. What is it? Giles knows that whatever it is, it's because of what they did. What they did? The others have gone ahead. Xander should join them. But first, he needs to listen carefully. Because what he's about to say may just save Xander's life. Xander listens, but Giles is speaking French. Or more (laughs) accurately, Giles is dubbed over in French. Yes. Anya too, when she appears, Xander doesn't get it. What are they trying to tell him? Where does he have to go? The French, when translated, goes along with the conversation. Basically, they're telling him that he needs to get to Buffy's, that everyone else is there, safe, moving on with their lives. And if he gets there, the creature can't hurt him. When he says he doesn't understand, they tell him to stop playing idiotic games and say they'll take him. And then in the in the French dub, they're just speaking French gibberish. Yeah. Basically, basically like the Swedish chef, but French. Oh, <laughs> They pull him, other students pushing, directing him down the hall, which turns into a jungle. Xander now a part of Apocalypse Now. He's brought into a dimly lit room where Snyder (laughs) lays on a cot. Snyder! (laughs) He asks Xander where he's from. The basement, mostly. Was he born there? Possibly. Snyder says he walked past the guidance counselor's office one time. A bunch of them were sitting there, waiting to be shepherded. And he remembers it smelled like dead flowers, like decay. Then it hit him. The hope of their nation's future is a bunch of mulch. At this, Xander tells Snyder that he never got the chance to tell him how glad he was that Snyder was eaten by a giant snake. Xander, <laughs> no. Think of poor baby Sam. Now off living with some relative. I know. And then she'll she'll be back later. She'll be back later. Though I do appreciate that way back in Halloween, Xander said something about telling Snyder what he really thought of him. Mm-hmm. And here we are. He gets to... and And also, like... Because Snyder is dead and also this is just a dream, it is nice that Xander is able to finally do that. Sitting up, Snyder asks Xander where he's heading. Well, he's supposed to meet Tara and Willow. Possibly Buffy's mom? 
Snyder tells him that time is running out. No, he's just trying to get away. There's something he can't fight. Is he a soldier? Xander shakes his head. He's a comforter. He's neither. He's a whipping boy raised by mongrels and set on a sacrificial stone. He's getting a cramp. (laughs) Dandy and Xander finds that he's now outside Giles' apartment in the courtyard. And the first slayer is right there, just a few feet away and stalking ever closer. He lets himself into Giles' apartment saying that whatever has been following them, because remember, they don't know who it is yet, Mm -hmm. is there. But neither he or anyone else seems to notice. They're too busy observing the convulsing Willow, who Buffy suggests slapping. (laughs) (laughs) He moves through the apartment into the dorm hallway, into Buffy and Willow's dorm room, and then through their closet back to the basement. The door is still rattling, and this time Xander approaches it. But once again, he mutters, this is not the way out. The door breaks open and it's Xander's father asking what's wrong with him. He never comes upstairs. His mother's crying. Is he ashamed of them? Xander says he doesn't understand and his father starts to come down the stairs. His father says, no, Xander doesn't understand. The line ends there with them. And Xander's not going to change that. He doesn't have the heart. As Sanders' father reaches for his chest, he morphs into the first slayer who pulls a Temple of Doom and rips <laughs> out Xander's heart. <sighs> we see that Xander is now convulsing just like Willow. Fuck Xander's father. Whew, so, shall we attempt and unpack all that? Because there's oh. a lot to unpack. I don't think we have time to unpack all that, to quote John Mulaney. First, um, Armin had apparently never seen Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now. And so he watched it just to prepare for his role in this episode, as he's supposed to parallel the character Brando plays. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Xander's dream is clearly about life and life's journey, and how every path he takes leads back to the basement. How one can't go backwards, only forwards. How he knows that house, it isn't where he's supposed to be. That it isn't the thing for him, despite what his father says. And yeah, let's talk about that. How the thing he fears, the thing he thinks is stalking him, is his father. Yep. And this idea that he's doomed to end up just like him. Like, Xander's trauma is so prevalent in this show, especially in this episode. And it's in his motivations. And yet, so much of the fan base just ignores it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and the way that when he comes face to face with his father, is this the only time we see Xander's? Do we see him later? We see his, his, we see both his parents at the wedding. The wedding. Yeah. Okay. But this is, this is a moment. This is the first time we, we, yeah physically seen one of the Harris parents. We've heard his mother, but... Yeah, there are so many context clues in this series to suggest that, if not outright abusive, neglect how neglectful his parents are, and that, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, probably verbally abusive at the very least. I think there's definitely, you can make a case for emotional abuse. Yeah, Emo- emotional neglect. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we don't we, we don't know if there's any physical abuse, but there is, it's an abusive household. And Xander, when you think about it, the way that he deals with the world and his feelings and everything else, there is, like, he's coping. His humor is a coping mechanism. His self-deprecation is a coping mechanism. He, like, so many people just take Xander at face value 
And and no, like it doesn't excuse everything that Xander does. It doesn't excuse every, you know, it doesn't excuse everything. But and again, does crappy shit. Everything, everybody does crappy stuff. And you just like, he is one of the most loyal people. And he always is worried about getting hurt. Yeah. And you see in this dream what he has to deal with at home. And yes, it's a dream. So it, it's probably, you know, taken up to 11. But this is this is his family. He has outright said, you know, he told Cordelia. And that was one of the first times where it was confirmed that he really does have a shitty home life. And is not just a teenage boy who's being dramatic about his parents. Yeah. You know, that was something he told her in confidence and then she went and blurted it out (sighs) yeah this if this episode doesn't convince you that xander has a shitty home life i don't know what to tell you pretty much i also think it's important to point out the part with spike and giles because i do think it shows a bit of fear xander has that he's replaceable because spike may only be helping because he has a chip but he's helping And he's preternaturally strong, something Xander is not. So if Spike's accepted into the fold, where does that leave him? Mm -hmm. Giles is up next. Uh, We start in his apartment, devoid of any furniture, as he attempts to get Buffy to focus, to meditate, and perhaps be hypnotized by a pocket watch. She says it's a little old-fashioned, and he says it's how men and women have always behaved since before time. He tells her to look into the light, and she laughs. We are then in a cemetery. At night, a carnival of sorts being held. Buffy, dressed in overalls and with pigtails, pulls along Giles as Olivia, pregnant, walks beside them, pushing a stroller. The stroller appears to be empty, so we can only assume it's meant to be Buffy's. As Buffy pulls, Olivia asks if she always wants to train this badly. Apparently, she's never heard the fable about patience. And which one is that? The one with uh, the fox. And the less patient fox. (laughs) And the less less patient fox. Two foxes. They come across a stand where you can throw balls at a fake vampire, and Buffy says she wants to do it. All right. Giles relents, and Buffy attempts but misses. He tells her that she has a sacred birthright to protect, so not to stick out her elbows. (laughs) She tries again and hits him, looking at Giles expectantly. But he hasn't got any treats. This causes Olivia to tell him to go easy on her. He can't help it. He has a job. Plus, blood of the lamb and all that. Two things to point out real quick about the sequence. Um, the game Buffy's playing is called Crack Drack. And as we know, Dracula will appear in the very next episode. Yep. The first episode of season five. And behind Giles and Olivia, there appears to be a drink stand that resembles a British pub called Dirty Gerties. <laughs> I want to go to Dirty Gerties. Right? A carnival worker hands Buffy cotton candy and Giles tells her she's going to get it all over her face. When she turns towards Giles, it's not candy on her face, but mud. That triggers something in him. He knows her. Before he can piece it together, however, Spike calls to him, telling him to come on before he misses everything. (laughs) Spike's crypt now appears to have like 26 garden gnomes outside of it. I love it so much. I, I like to think that... If, if this were in real, like, not a dream, but in real life, it would have just been him stealing people's garden gnomes. Yes. And then people are confused as to why all the garden gnomes are showing up at this one crypt. <sighs> Entering the crypt, we see that Olivia is crying, the stroller overturned beside her. She and Giles remain in color while Spike and the people admiring him all 
are all in black and white, like an old (laughs) monster movie. Spike says he's hired himself out as a sideshow attraction, still show business. And what is Zhao supposed to do? He needs to make up his mind. Hasn't he figured it all out yet with his enormous squishy frontal lobe? (laughs) He still thinks Buffy should have killed Spike. As Giles moves through slash leaves the crypt, he runs into the cheese man who tells him he does not wear the cheese. The cheese wears him. To this, Giles says he meets the most appalling sort of people. (laughs) Interesting that Giles is really the only person to acknowledge the cheese man. From the tomb, he moves to the bronze, joining Willow and Xander who are sitting there researching. Xander has a giant wound in his chest. Giles apologizes for being late. There's a lot going on. Don't they know it? Xander promises Anya he'd be there for their big night, but now he's probably going to be pushing up daisies. Speaking of Anya, she takes the stage, attempting to tell a (laughs) joke about a man and a duck in a doctor's office. It's not going well. No. But Emma Caulfield is so adorable. She's so good. Willow tells Giles this is all his fault, and he tells her she needs to look at the facts. He's very busy. He has a gig himself. There's something after them, a primal force which used to be them. Xander tells Giles not to get all linear on him now. Anya finishes her joke, the audience laughing. Willow, calling Giles Rupert, so you know this is a dream. Yeah. Tells him that he needs to focus. If they don't know what they're fighting, they don't stand a chance. And thus, Giles breaks into song. Taking the stage, he tells them that the spell they did must have released some primal evil. He needs Willow to look through the chronicles. He'll warn Buffy. And Xander needs to help Willow. But also not to bleed on his couch. As he's just had it steam cleaned. (laughs) I love that this season we are letting Tony sing. Yes. Everyone holding up lighters. Super into it. (laughs) I love love that. I love that Willow is still looking in the book. She's still looking in the book and just holding up the lighter. <sighs> okay. Something occurs to Giles. He says, wait, as some horrible feedback comes across the speakers, like a wire was cut somewhere. He follows said wire backstage and finds a tangled mess. Inside that mess is his pocket watch. Seeing the watch, everything clicks. As the first slayer arrives, he says he knows who she is. And he can defeat her with his intellect, his thoughts. As he says this, she's slicing into his head, blood running down his face. But she wouldn't know, would she? She's never had a watcher. And thus goes Giles. (laughs) Okay, so first off, um, I think it's interesting to point out that both Xander and Giles cast Buffy in a childlike role in their dreams. Mm-hmm. Xander has Buffy playing in the sandbox, calling him Big Brother, and Giles has Buffy dressed and acting a bit like a toddler. And this is interesting for a whole host of reasons, right? <laughs> uh, one, it's the two men of the group that do it, which on a much wider, and we, again, do not have time to unpack all that scale, Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaks of the infantilization of women by society as a whole. How everyone except women seem to know what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And out in the real world, this doesn't stop with men. Yeah. Now, I do like I do like with with Giles, like I feel like with Giles more, though, like not even just not even infantilizing, but more putting her in the role of his daughter that well, he sees her as his child. Yeah. And I I, I like that. That's where this is going. But yeah. like it's. It is interesting that it is the, like, okay, so let's, let's just break this down a little bit more because, okay, 
this like on because I that was like the society as a whole level. So more <laughs> on the story based level, um, Xander is always the first to want to help Buffy, to want mm-hmm. to go after Buffy, and I think like his vision of her speaks to that. Like, did he once have a crush on her? Yes, but that's long over. He's with Anya. He loves Anya. Mm-hmm. Buffy and Willow are his chosen family. They're his sisters. Yes, and so I think Xander's dream speaks to that. It's mm-hmm. very interesting that Willow does not cast Buffy in the same role. But again, it, it's just, to me, it's very interesting that it's the, the dreams of the two men that pull in mm-hmm. that family motif. Yeah. Not yeah. all of them. And yeah, Giles is pretty dry and pretty uh, cut and dry. Like you said, it's casting her in the role of his daughter. He's her watcher, her main father mm-hmm. figure. He teaches her, guides her, and he also wants to protect her. He can't, but he wants to. Mm-hmm. He wants to protect them all. Like, what's why he's searching for answers in his dream and telling them what they need to do. It's also very interesting when he goes into the crypt and he doesn't he doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't. But that you have Olivia in the background crying with the overturned stroller. Yeah. And I mean, I think. And, you know, that that reflects on his fears that he's going to lose Buffy. He has lost Buffy. He w- he will lose Buffy again. You know, it's it's just who the whole subconscious is a mess. And I love the fact that Olivia is there and she's pregnant, which, again, is a dream that he should be able to have. Let him have a family with Olivia. But I think I think that's the thing is that as we move out of this season and we move them closer to adulthood, their mm-hmm. need for a full-time father is diminishing. Right. And I do think that's what Spike means by he needs to make a choice. Yes. Like, does he keep living for his charges or does he take something for himself and make and himself again, a life? And again, like we, we've, we've said for so long that the lifespan of a Slayer isn't supposed to be this long. No. She's not you supposed know. to still be alive. <laughs> No. So he would have been, you know, moving on to his next stage by now. Yeah. Like, so he, that's why, and that's why, like, it's very interesting moving forward with him. And, like, especially, like, the beginning of the season where he doesn't know how to handle himself. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. At least before he had being a librarian, he had an actual job to do. But now, like, what does he do? Especially because his slayer is Buffy, who is very independent. And doesn't listen to anything. <laughs> so independent. <laughs> so independent. <laughs> but speaking of Buffy, it's it's down to Buffy. Uh, her dream starts with her in bed in her dorm. Anya pleading with her to wake up. Buffy says she's not really in charge of those things. Mm-hmm. And Anya says she needs to wake up now. She needs her beauty sleep. Turning so that she's lying on her back, she sees the first hanging from the ceiling. They let out a scream as Buffy is now in her bed in her room at her mother's house. We go to Buffy standing looking at the bed and she says she and Faith just made it. (laughs) For who? Tara is there beside her. She thought Tara was going to tell her. The guys aren't there, are they? They were going to hang out and watch movies. Tara says she lost them. No, no. Buffy thinks they need her to find them. Buffy then looks at the clock, which reads 730, and says it's so late. Tara tells her that clock is completely wrong and hands her a card. The one showing Manus, the hands. She says she's never going to use those, and Tara tells her she thinks she knows what's to come, who she is. But she has no idea. The bed is now made, and Buffy says she needs to go. She has to find the others. And as she goes, Tara gives her a small, soft, be back before dawn. She ends up in the school hallway, asking others if they've seen her friends. 
They haven't. She comes across a hole in the wall and inside is Joyce. What's she doing living in the walls? Oh, don't worry about it. She's fine. But it looks dirty. Sure, it looks that way to her, but she made some lemonade and she's learning to play mahjong. Go find her friends. She thinks they may be in danger. Joyce laughs and Buffy looks at her strangely. She's sorry. It's just a mouse just tickled her knees. She really doesn't think Joyce should live in there. (laughs) Joyce says Buffy could probably break through the wall, but it doesn't matter because Buffy is gone. Following Xander, who she saw heading up the stairs. Up there, she finds herself in a conference room that looks very much like the initiative. Riley is there along with a fully human Adam. Riley calls her killer and asks when she got back. Oh, and she asks when he got back. He never left. Oh, well, how did the debriefing go? Good. They made him Surgeon General. Why didn't he tell her? They could have celebrated. He's been busy drawing up plans for world domination. The key element? Coffee makers that think. World domination? Is that a good? Riley says they're the government. It's what they do. I really argue with that. (laughs) Adam then says Buffy's uncomfortable with certain elements. It's understandable, but aggression is a natural human state. Though he and Buffy come by it in different ways. We see the first behind Buffy, but she doesn't make a move. Buffy says they're not demons, and Adam asks if that's a fact. Riley tells Buffy they have a lot of work to do. Filing, giving things names. Buffy wants to know what Adam's was before Adam. Not a man among them knows. The lights go out just then, and an automated announcement tells everyone that the demons have escaped and to run for their lives. (laughs) Demons mill about behind Buffy, and Riley says this could be trouble. They should make a fort. Adam says he'll get the pillows. They go off, leaving Buffy standing there, her weapons bag now at her feet. She tries to call them back to tell them she has weapons, but her voice is gone. Dropping to the ground, she opens the bag to discover mud. She dips her hands in, moving them about before smearing the mud on her face, covering it. Riley comes back then, dressed not in his suit from earlier, but normally, and says he thought she was looking for her friends. But okay. That's how she wants it. She's on her own. And he calls her killer again. He leaves and Buffy gets up, wandering down the hall and into the desert. It's vast. Empty. Buffy says she's never going to find them there. No, that's not why she's there. Tara appears, looking like an actual goddess. Oh, she's... I love her in this scene. They, they They really gave her so many good moments in this episode. This is one of my favorite Tara looks. Mm hmm Buffy says she's not in her dream. No, she was borrowed. Someone has to speak for her, the first slayer, who has now appeared behind Buffy. Buffy says let her speak for herself. That's what's done in polite circles. (laughs) Why is she following her? She isn't. Where are her friends? She's asking the wrong questions. Buffy says to make her speak, but the first says she has no speech, no name. She lives in the action of death, the blood cry, the penetrating wound. She is destruction absolute, alone, the slayer, the first. Looking down at her hands, Buffy sees a card, but it's her and her friends sitting in her living room talking. She says she's not alone. The slayer does not walk in this world. She walks, she talks, she shops, she sneezes. She's going to be a fireman when the floods roll back. There's trees in the desert since she moved out and she doesn't sleep on a bed of bones. Now give her back her friends. No friends. The first slayer finally speaks. Just kill. They are alone. But are they? Because here comes the cheese man. (laughs) Leaving two pieces of cheese between them. 
<laughs> that that's what that's what Kevin wants to do at a convention. Just I yeah, I think he should. I think it'd be amazing. Go around go around f- slapping cheese at people. And just and and the best part is because it's so obscure, everybody so many people are just going to be like why is this man walking what, around? What the fuck? Cheese? What why is this guy f- in a suit flapping cheese around? It'll be the best. Yes. And just popping up randomly and saying random... Kevin is really good at just popping up randomly and saying random stuff. So he would make a fantastic cheese man. He would. Buffy is done and says, Mm -hmm. that's it. She's waking up. That's when the first (laughs) attacks, tackling Buffy to the ground. They fight, but Buffy attempts to stop it, saying they don't do this anymore. The first slayer responds to that by launching them down a hill. They roll, still going at it, until Buffy yells, Enough! And that's when she comes to on the floor of her house. She gets up, sees her friends, and is relieved until the first slayer comes at her once more. But her power is gone and she is unable to hurt Buffy because as Buffy says, she is going to ignore her. She's going to ignore her and she's going to go away. She needs to get over the whole primer power thing. She is not the source of Buffy. There's also a wildly racist hair comment in there and we're just going to ignore that. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I when I was watching when I was watching it this morning, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, no." But did not age well. No, no. Buffy climbs back on the couch and wakes up. This time for real. The others are also awake, and all of them share a look. <sighs> Buffy's dream. Buffy's dream is the most interesting because it's going to take a long, long time to pay off. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll see her talk with Spike about some of the Slayers next season. We'll see her connect with the first. But we'll also continue this journey of learning about Slayers and what it means to be one all the way to season seven. Yeah. Because that's what Buffy's dream is. It's a it's about being a Slayer and about what drives the Slayer. What is their core? Mm-hmm. Later, they sit in Buffy's dining room at the table talking. The first Slayer, Giles thinks they're joining, invoke the f- thinks they're joining, invoking the Slayer's power was an affront to the source of that power. Something Buffy says he could have brought up before they did it. <laughs> He did. He said there could be dire consequences. Yes, but he also says that about chewing too fast. (laughs) Joyce comes down just then. She's guessing she missed some fun. The spirit of the first Slayer tried to kill them all in their dreams. Oh, do they want some hot chocolate? (laughs) I do like how used to all of this Joyce has gotten. Like, she's not even batting an eye. Just Yeah, yeah. Like it's It is great. Like, it is great that, you know, now that she knows that all the weird shit that can go on. She's just like, oh, okay, I'll go make snacks. There's yeses all around and Joyce asks Sander to be her kitchen buddy again. Little awkward after his dream, which is why he keeps repeating to himself that this is Buffy's mom. Yeah, Buffy's mom. (laughs) Giles asks if Buffy is okay and she says, yeah. She thinks she might jump in the shower. It's just, she seems a bit, yeah, a little. The first slayer. She's never really thought about it. It was intense. But then she guesses they all got a taste of it. Yeah, Xander says from now on, he needs Buffy to keep her Slayer friends out of his dreams. Is that clear? <laughs> and Willow agrees. She's not good for the sleeping. As Buffy gets up from the table, she tells them that at least they didn't dream about the man with the cheese. <laughs> doesn't know where the hell that came from. As the gang all exchanges looks, Buffy heads upstairs. She heads for the bathroom, but stops staring in at her darkened room, hearing Tara's <laughs> words echo once more. You think you know what's to come, what you are, but you have no idea. And with that, we fade to black. The end. 
Finally. So I know we've done a lot of analysis as we've gone through, but there are just a few more things to note. Um, Both the order of the dreams and how each member of the Scooby gang was killed reflect the spell. Mm -hmm. Willow has the life force drained out of her as the spirit. Xander had his organs removed as the heart. And Giles had his head cut into as the mind. Also, Dawn, there is so So many, so so many Dawn imagery. Um, Willow opening the curtains to the light, the reference to the main bed, the time on the clock, Tara calling her by name. Everything's building up to her reveal, which is you know, when you very shortly. When you rewatch it, when you rewatch Restless and you know where everything is going to be going, they are literally slapping you in the face. Mm-hmm. So much, so much going on. But yeah, yeah. um, that is it for yeah. this. Uh, week. One of the one of the cool one of the other cool parts about this episode is the way like they're walking through to different parts reflects some areas of the studio where they film. Yeah. So like, like sets are interconnected like that. So like you they're actually just walking walk, like, just walking. Just walking through the set. So that's and that's a fun way to utilize a set at the same time. And utilize the sets at the same time. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. But yes, that is it for this week. Um, thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time when we have our season four debrief. We'll talk a little bit about this season, about next season, a little bit about our schedule going forth. Um, until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!